0: Hey, if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek, and uh, I'm the lead pastor at Connect here. I want to welcome you all here in Ashland, also our Framingham family, and our online campus. Can we give it up for them, everybody? Come on. Say hello. All our online live viewers, we're so glad you're with us. Hey, um, we um, got a quick little announcement uh, I, I want to bring, particularly to this service, Uh Several weeks ago, I kind of mentioned this, and I think it kind of went in one, one in one ear and out the other, so I just want to reemphasize. If you're a family member, like you're a member of Connect, this is for you. If you're attending for the first time, and uh, you even frequent this periodically, it's not for you, but um, this service has a tendency to get swole. It's pretty good right now, but tendency to get really, really full. And so if you would consider, prayerfully consider, Uh, attending one of our services, either first or third, or even Framingham, uh, we have space, more space for you there. If you have a friend that you're bringing, always, your guest always trumps your choice, and just follow wherever they want to go, but uh, I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, I want to get right into our series today where, if you get your worship guides out, you can follow along. We really encourage note-taking. I also want to just ask you a quick question. If you could sh- turn your phone to airplane mode, okay, and just eliminate some distractions. Uh, and that, that'll that help you and more than it really helps me. Unless you're using Uversion, where the message is right inside that. Uh, you can take notes through Uversion in our live event section. But uh, I want to get right into it. We're in a series called It's Complicated. Everybody say, it's complicated. And so this is the third installment of that series, the relationship series, that my wife and my son started. Didn't they do a great job, everybody? So proud of my family. Uh, They do an outstanding job. I don't know where they are, but praise the Lord. The big daddy preaches and they're not even here. Anyway, um, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. They're somewhere. But um, I want to kind of continue the series, and today I'm going to emphasize the single life. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. No, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but I do want to talk about being single-minded, or we could say single-focused, as uh, we kick off today's message. And for those of you who are married or have been married a long time, like, if you're like me and you look back at your life, You would probably say that during that period of life when you were single, there was this tendency not to maximize it. Like, you probably look back and would say, it might have been the least focused, kind of the least productive, Um, you didn't really kill it, slay it, make hay while the sun shines during that period of time. And I would say to you, it's probably because you were distracted. You got distracted. You weren't focused. You weren't single-minded. And so this is going to help you. It's also going to help married people because... There are always characteristics and attributes in God's word that apply, but in this application of this message, know this, that about 50% of America is single, and 90% of those people want to be married still, in spite of the poor statistical evidence that suggests the institution of marriage doesn't work anymore, people still want it. There's something innate inside of us that is looking to join with somebody else, so if you're listening online, you're listening here today, this this message is going to help all of us, amen? Amen. I heard a story about a woman, and she had a garage sale, and she was selling like an heirloom antique table, and this table had been passed down. It was beautiful, and it had a lot of familial sentiment to it, but she decided because of a renovation, she was going to part with it, and she was going to sell it, and so she ascribed a value of $400 to this table. Well, this gentleman shows up at the garage sale and he sees it and says, you know, I, I like your table. I'd like to purchase that. I'll buy it for $300. And she's like, no way, Jose. And matter of fact, uh, that's just too low. This is my bottom line price because um, it's, it's actually worth more than that. It's probably worth over $1,000 still. He says, okay, if that's what you think. He goes, but you might want to think about it. I'm only going to be here a little bit longer and then I'm going to be gone and you'll still have that table. And so he walks around for a little bit and then he comes back around and he says, okay, so what do you think? $300. She says, matter of fact, I'll sell you this for $600. He's like, what are you talking about? How did the price go up in, in just that short a period of time? She says, you know what? As I started to pause and think about it and process the value of that table began to escalate in my mind and into my thoughts. The more I thought about it, the more I thought it's worth even more. In fact, if you don't take it for 600 it's going to go up again. He says, I'll take it for $600. <laughs> and so he goes out, and he, he gets the table. Now, some of us who are single, I think there's a tendency for many of us today where we don't have an appropriate value of who we are as singles, And I submit to you, if you would think about it a little bit longer, if you kind of hit the pause button, more importantly, if you would look at your life through a biblical view of singleness or singlehood or however you want to describe that status of life, you would see that God's view of singleness is a lot higher than the world has ascribed to you. In fact, God's view of singleness, I'm ashamed to say this, is sometimes a lot higher than the church has suggested to you and sometimes it's even higher than your own family has suggested to you from my experience because of the major distractions out there in the world and sometimes because of the I think in the church it can almost seem like an overemphasis on marriage that as a byproduct de-emphasizes an important phase of life and that's when we're single and we're not married and so I kind of want to highlight it highlight this today is anybody with me right now So God's value system of singleness is different. In fact, um, the truth is, and sort of if I was unpacking it quickly, as a single, you're not missing out on anything. And so I want you to see it right. The reason you're not seeing seeing it right is because, in a nutshell, you're divided and you're distracted. You're divided in your affection and you're distracted in your life. And so listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul, who is a single... Writes this chapter to married people, but in particular to singles. And this is, I'm gonna paraphrase some of this text and, t- and touch on other verses within it over the course of the message. But in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 24, look at it with me. It says, Let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. That you're supposed to remain, be in relationship. In fact, in John 15, it says same word, abide. In the condition you're in, the condition you're in, the condition that you've been called, you need to learn how to appreciate the status that you're in and not be too preoccupied with the status you're not in. In fact, he goes on later to say, as a single person, it's good for me to remain as I am. In fact, later it even says a person who's single can be happier. That it's not the lesser condition, but it can actually be an even better condition than it is to be married. Interesting, because it contrasts and it is so different than what we see or what we hear so often. So here's your big idea. Write this down if you're taking notes. A godly single is one who is single-minded. You can put in the parentheses full, free, and focused. Single-minded means full, free, and focused. Uh, The the godly single is one who is fully free, fully focused, and is maximizing their completeness. You're maximizing your completeness. Now, some of this won't make sense to you until I unpack the four points of this message, but I want to take what is complicated about singleness and get it out of complicated and get us focused on the completeness that God has for you. In fact here's kind of our overarching thought. How to be complete, not complicated. Number one, write this down. As a Christ follower, you need to realize that you are already complete. Can I have an amen for more than two people in this room online? Are you with me out there? Some high fives, some likes, some some loves. You need to know that in Christ, you are already complete. You're not Incomplete, looking for someone to make you complete, you complete me. No, we're not living in the movies, we're living through God's word. Can I have an amen? Amen. The reality is what God says, not what the movies tells us, everybody. And one of the major problems with singles today is they don't identify themselves as God does. They don't view themselves as God does, and as a result, we have problems. Colossians 2.10 says this, "...and in him you have been made complete." Who, how are we made complete in Him? In Him we are made complete. Now that is that is to say, when you become a Christ follower, there's like a seed, like like there's a certain uh, it's like a DNA strand that is within you. That as you grow in faith, fellowship, obedience to Him, you become more mature, more like Him, more full, free, and focused in completeness in Christ. Is everybody with me? But it's already in you when you come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And as long as you don't see it that way, you will always be in bondage to what you don't have. Let me, let me describe it like this. Uh, Pastor Evans gave me this illustration, and he talks about two keys. Now I have two different keys here. Uh, the cameras probably help you see them. They're, they're different. One is more rounded. One, one is more square. Uh, this particular key unlocks a certain door. This key is not the same as this key. This key unlocks a different door. It has a different assignment. It has a different uh, design for that assignment. There are different protrusions and indentations than in this key than there are in this key. This key has an assignment here and has a task to complete. This key has an assignment and a task to complete over here. They are both individually complete. Is everybody with me? Now, if I take these two keys and then I put a ring on it, come on, somebody. You see where I'm going with this? And I attach them to that ring, and for the sake of time, Jesus, help me. Of course, it's going to be difficult, and I have no fingernails. Hallelujah, because I'm such a well-groomed man. (laughs) Oh, Jesus on the main line, help me out here. So you get in the point, even though the point's taking too long. So as I attach these two individual keys to this ring, were they both complete before I put them on the ring? Yes, this ring basically puts them into relationship because they are now in the vicinity and proximity and attached by a ring to each other, but they weren't broken keys, they weren't incomplete keys. This key didn't need this key to accomplish its task or its assignment. It's simply they joined together and now they are in vicinity and relationship with one another. The enemy tries to convince you that you are a broken key and you will not be complete until you put a ring on it and nothing could be further from the truth. Can I have an amen out there? This is a lie of the enemy. You just simply got hooked up and put a ring on it. And if you don't view yourself as someone who is already complete, then you will function in that incompleteness single, and you will become subject to illegitimate bondage, misery, relational problems, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And far too many singles define themselves improperly, And they don't have an appropriate single-minded or single-focused perspective on relationships. Now, this will sound like a weird statement, but have you ever referred to somebody as an egg? No, pastor, I haven't. That is a weird intro. A lot of times, I'll talk about people that I like and I'll say, she's a good egg or he's a good egg. Now you know what I'm talking about. Everybody tracking me right now. He's a good egg. She's a good egg. Now, I'm not going to throw eggs at anybody, everybody. So just (laughs) relax. All you online viewers are safe out there, okay? But you need to understand that when you're in Christ, you're already complete. You're You're a good egg in Christ. But a lot of times, people who are good eggs in Christ, they try to get in relationship with somebody else who's a rotten egg. Sometimes you have two rotten eggs, and they mix it up, and they scramble it up, and they try to make a good omelet. How many know a rotten egg and a rotten egg makes a rotten omelet? But here's here's what happens to a lot of you out there. Some of you are a good egg. You're in Christ. And then you go mix it up with somebody who's not in Christ, a rotten egg, and you think the two of you together are going to make a good omelet? A rotten egg and a good egg never make a good omelet. Some of you need to stop missionary dating. You think you're going to change the omelet after you've mixed it up? You ain't ever going to change that egg after you mix it up. You need to make sure they're changed in a good egg before you come into relationship and make any omelets. Is everybody with me right now? Okay? <laughs> here's, the thing about, here's the thing about the egg, though. You need to understand you're already complete. You know what's awesome about being a single egg, just a, just a good egg? is that, you know what? Nobody can tell you how to have it cooked. You can have this egg sunny side up. You can have this egg poached. You can have this egg scrambled. You can have this thing hard-boiled, and nobody's going to tell you how to cook this egg because it's one good egg. Can I have an amen? amen? It's good to be a single egg, everybody. Come on. But if you don't allow God to make you complete in your relationship, you're just going to go from one bad omelet to another over and over and over again, scrambling up with the wrong people, looking for love in all the wrong places. Come on, somebody. It creates a lot of problems. You need to know you're already complete. Number two, write this down. Don't miss the forest for the tree. Or don't miss the forest because you're focused on One tree. What on earth does that mean? Hang on and I'll explain it to you. Too many singles think they're missing out on something later, but God has something for you now. A lot of times you're looking for something or you're focused on something, one thing, and you're missing out on all the things that God has has for you right now. When God created the first human being, he created Adam, a single male he created And prior to his knowledge, Adam's knowledge, of other human beings, specifically females, specifically even more so Eve, God expected him and designed him to be uh, fulfilled, to be free, and to be focused in his singleness. Is everybody paying attention out there? Okay, Until God later brought him someone into his life. So the sequence or the order was, God has something for you to do before he gives you someone to do it with you. Okay, everybody? And so if Adam was focused on somebody else prior, then he wouldn't have maximized his creative calling, the responsibilities, the opportunities, and even the relationship unique between God and of adam and adam and god he would have missed out on that adam was walking and talking with god in the cool of the day he had an incredible relationship with god listen first first priority far too many singles are living frustrated and discontent because they're not maximizing the now because they're focused on the next in genesis chapter 2 verse 15 look what god told adam he said this he said are you with me everyone the Lord God took the man, the single man, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So he had something for him to do before she came into the picture. He put him in the garden and said, maximize this. Make the most of this. Bring it to its full potential. Enjoy yourself while you're doing it. And then it says, and the Lord God commanded the single man, by the way, and he said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Stop. Stop. Now, our tendency is to go on and focus on what happens after that within the verse. This, first of all, there's a couple different things going on in this verse that are powerful. Number one, it says the Lord God a couple different times. And throughout this chapter, in Genesis chapter 2, it says the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God. Behind that English word is the Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, the word there is the word Elohim. Elohim means... Excuse me. In Genesis 1, it's Elohim. In Genesis 2, it's Yahweh. Yahweh in Genesis 2 is a relational term. In Genesis 1, when he's creating everything, the stars, the moon, the sky, all the things, the word there is Elohim. It means omnipotent, powerful, creative God. So initially, he's powerful, omnipotent in Genesis 1. But when Adam was introduced, he becomes your relational God. He becomes... Your first priority. In other words, it was in the beginning, God was all by himself, all sufficient, complete, and entire. He did not need man. He chose to need man right? Is everybody with me right now? He didn't need us. He chose to be with us. Similarly, we were created in his image and are to reflect the same characteristics and attributes of God. So he wants us first to be in relationship with him, uh, Yahweh, and that the basis of our completeness is in relationship with him, not in relationship with her or him. I should get a better amen because this is good teaching right now. Okay, so he's trying to say the Lord God relationship here reflected here is not the basis, it's the bonus. Eve coming into the picture was a bonus, not the basis of the relationship. Not only that, but God said this before He said something else before He said, Don't, He said, Do what He said. I command you to enjoy all these trees. So what happens is, as singles, a lot of times we don't realize you aren't complete, and you have been given a bunch of things to enjoy as a single. But you're so predisposed, preoccupied with the one tree you can't have, you're not enjoying all the trees you do have. Oh, man, all the singles are quiet in this church today. I don't know what to say about that. So here's God saying, yeah, later he says, don't eat from that one tree. But our focus, single-minded focus, is what keeps us healthy as Christ followers in our single status. The single status is, look at all this that you get to enjoy. As soon as you get married, you got minivans, you got diaper bags. Come on, somebody. You got kids you got to bathe before you go to bed. As soon as you sit down, you got to get back up again. All you singles should just be like, ha suck a fool. I don't have that. I'm free. I can enjoy dinner again. I can eat another portion. I can bathe whenever the heck I want. No, I don't have to do that. We're missing all the trees that we have because we're so focused on the one tree that we don't have. So God commands you to enjoy the trees. So if you are a boring, isolated, couch potato, party pooper, then you are being disobedient to God as a single. Can I have an amen out there? Yeah, 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 but pastor, why did God put that one tree in there, that, 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 that tree that we can't eat from? It's too hard to maybe explain without more time, but let me just say it like this. There is no such thing as real freedom that doesn't also have borders, boundaries, and restriction. In other words, you can't appreciate what you have if there's not something you can't have. In addition... We're part of, as kids in God's kingdom, kingdom means rule. We're under his authority. And one of the ways that we show we're under his authority is every now and then we got to submit and obey and do it his way. So he's basically saying that tree over there, that tree is an information tree. That tree is a data tree. That tree is a Google tree. And I don't want you to learn about me and all of this from that. I want you to learn about this and me from me. So I. Your, the reason and purpose of your existence is found in revelation, not in reason. So don't eat from that tree. My job is to help you with that. And with that job comes responsibility and you can't handle that responsibility. So don't do that, son. Don't do that, daughter. Does that make sense? So it's it's less restriction and it's more protection. But it's not a don't message first. It's a commandment, enjoy all the trees first. And we miss that in our single status. Is everybody still with me right now? So let me summarize it for you. <clears throat> if you need to be married, if you just got to be married, if you know I'm 35, I'm about to be 36, I think I'm going to go crazy if I'm not married, then you're still not biblically single. You still haven't realized that you are complete in Christ if you're not going to make it, if you're just about to go crazy, if the first Christian guy or first Christian girl that come in the picture, you think, oh, I guess he must be it, you know, and then you just dive on in, then you have not embraced your completeness and you're focused on the tree and not all the trees that God's given you. Number two, write this down. You need to discover and live your calling. One of the ways that you become complete is by living the call of God that he's given you. When I was a young person, very young, my sister and I only uh, just I had one sibling, And my daddy, after church on Sundays, he, every now and then, he would corral us as a family as if we hadn't had enough on Sunday. He said, let's all get in the car. Let's all get in the Cadillac. My daddy drove Cadillacs. We used to have a banana yellow Cadillac, everybody. Come on, somebody. How many know my daddy had no shame in his game? Come on. White leather roof, you know, white white, white walls. And so he said, we're going to go on a Sunday drive. Now, as a young person, this was human torture for me. A Sunday drive, where are we going? I don't know. We're just going to go on a Sunday drive. And basically, what I didn't like about it, and I like it now, I love a a drive with my wife along the coastline or foliage or things like that. But what I didn't like about it then, it it was an aimless meandering with no destination in sight. We're just going to be driving around, have no idea. And far too many singles are living their lives like a Sunday drive. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, just meandering through life without a destination, without a sense of purpose, without a discovery and release and living in their calling. Wow. And it's what's keeping you dissatisfied is because you're not living the call of God in your life. Before God gave Adam Eve, he gave Adam an assignment. He gave him an assignment. See, if you are preoccupied, if your reason for being is first and foremost your sexuality, you will be miserable. Instead, your reason for being, first and foremost, is found in your calling. This is true of a married person, which is more difficult for a married person, and it's true of a single person who's often distracted, even though it's not as difficult. And so you become subject to misery because you haven't put in the work and done the work that God wants you to do on here on earth, which will bring the fulfillment that you're really looking for. And instead, you're on a Sunday drive and going from meeting to meeting and church to church and club to club. And you're hooking up and connecting and you're strolling and you're trolling and you're looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love. And it's because that's not your first priority. That's not your first call. And many Christians are fundamentally divided and distracted, divided in their affections and distracted in their life. 1 Corinthians 7 says this, verse 32. I would like you to be, Paul, as a single, I would like you to be free from concern. He basically talks to a married man and says, hey, as a married man, you're... As an unmarried person, it's going to be easier for you because you can focus on the Lord's affairs and the Lord's purposes that he has for your life. As a married person, it says in verse 34, his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim, her purpose, her calling is to be devoted to the Lord in body and spirit. Verse 35, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in the right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If you're going to be a successful single, you've got to deal with distraction and you've got to deal with division. A married person is preoccupied with those things and those concerns. And, and, and yet, we see single people behaving like they're married people. It's as if they have already an invisible husband and an invisible wife because all that they're talking about and all that they're preoccupied with is what they don't have in him and her. They're carrying a ball and chain before they even have anything like that in their life right now. Isn't it interesting that the biggest problem in society today is divorce? And fundamentally, and I, don't, I, mean to be, I don't mean to be catty, but clear. Fundamentally, divorced people are people who wish they were single. See, but what if we could be better singles and go into marriage in the first place as a whole egg, meeting a whole egg, and having ourselves a good omelet? Can I have a better amen out there? Okay? God wants that for you. But I understand there's distractions. And for some of you, I feel bad because I think you have friends that are saying, you know, you need to come out with us. Come on, meet these guys. You don't need to meet those guys. Some of you, come on, I want you to meet some go. No, then you got family that's just saying, honey, are you putting yourself out there? <laughs> you can't find a man in the back room. You might need to dress a little different, you know, and put a little, you know, what? And so, and sometimes a parents even, and sp- and then the church. You know, we put this pressure. Like, there's something wrong with us if we're single. No, you have been made already complete. There is nothing wrong with you. You are not some kind of a problem to be solved, some kind of disease to be cured. You, you are all that God called you to be in Christ. Can I have an amen? I'm sick of people talking like that, you know, and stop getting distracted and don't worry about those things. Your posture should be like, like the Macy's live model in the windows. You just holding your ground. Everybody on the outside is trying to get you to laugh and smile and breach, but no, you just stand there looking good. You know why? Because you know what? You are not subject to them. You are in covenant with Macy's, and Macy's is paying your check. That's why they don't get distracted. And as singles, you have to realize the kingdom that you're connected to. And when you realize where the fulfillment really comes from and where the satisfaction really comes from, that you can hold the line and not be distracted by all those shenanigans in the world and all those jigglos and hoochie mamas and all those kind of crazy experiences and scenarios. You can get it because you are called, because you are focused on the trees, because you are complete in Christ. Have any men out there? My favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, is The Matrix. Neo, aka Thomas Anderson, aka you know part-time hacker, computer programmer, he's a single guy, kind of living you know his life, wasting his time and spinning his wheels, and all of a sudden he gets whisked away into another realm, and he's presented an opportunity from the in-movie prophet Morpheus who's the coolest cat ever and Morpheus basically says Neo we need you you're the one there's a there's I know what your purpose is you need to accept it you're here to help Zion and us and, and overcome we want to show you what's going on behind this world that you're really in that you think is going to bring you satisfaction. it ain't going to bring you no satisfaction You're not going to find any satisfaction in that world. In fact, when I show you what's really going on, you're going to see things clearly, and you're going to come into this world, heal it, fix it, and fight for it, and in that you're going to find fulfillment. And I've got two pills for you. I've got a blue pill and I've got a red pill. This blue pill, you could take this and you go right back into the matrix. You could go right back into your wasting your time, spinning your wheels world. Or you can have this red pill, and I can unpack a reality that you couldn't even imagine. I can, I can unpack a full, free, fulfilled, focused life. You're going to see things you never saw before. Which pill? Which, what's your choice? Well, Neo, of course, takes the red pill. We know that. It's an incredible experience, and he gets to see this new reality, and he begins to do the things that uh, Morpheus told him would come to be, and he's welcomed into this world, and he's fighting the enemies, and he's fighting, you know, Mr. Smith and all these other people, and as he's fulfilling the purpose for which he was designed, Trinity comes in. Trinity is this female that he eventually falls in love with, and the story just begins to unpack this incredible love story, but that's not the point. The point is, the first thing he did was live his purpose with a sense of purpose, and then Trinity came into the picture, and some of you are looking for her, and some of you are looking for him. Some of you are looking for a Trinity, and some of you are looking for the one, Neo, and you're not going to find him, and you're not going to find her until you're living the call of God on your life. Amen. And if you do live the call, God will bring that purpose, that person on purpose at the right time. Can I have an amen out amen. there? The fastest way. But some of you are going to leave today and you're going to take the blue pill. And you're going to go right back into the matrix. Some of you, maybe listening online, are going to take the red pill. And God's going to do a mighty work in you, your relationship with Him, and in your relationship with others. Number four, write this down. Final point. You need to learn the secret of being single. The operative word is learn. The Apostle Paul writes, while in prison alone, single, these words in Philippians 4.11. He says, I'm not saying this, what I'm about to say, because I'm in need, for I have learned. Everybody say learned. I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. I have learned, everybody say learned. learned. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether I have plenty or I'm in want. But in Christ, I can do all things. See, you have to learn it. Sometimes you're pr- you don't pray for contentment, everybody. Have you ever prayed to be content and then just right after you prayed, you were more miserable than when you started? Have you ever prayed for something to change You prayed for her or him to come into the picture day after day, week after week, month after month, and you come to the conclusion, sometimes some of you, that God's taking a nap, that God's on vacation, that God doesn't like me. He likes him or her better because he gave him the house, the job, or they found the one. They found the Trinity. See, sometimes God's teaching you, He wants, it's a lesson that must be learned. He's teaching you contentment how, two ways. Write this down real fast. He teaches you contentment through circumstances. He uses circumstances to teach you how to become content by sometimes not giving you the immediate gratification or satisfaction of your prayers. There's many scriptures in the Bible that deal with this in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, the Apostle Paul talks about this, that he had to learn contentment through difficult circumstances. He had this, he had this thorn, and, and, and he's like, God, take this away. Three times he prayed, God, take this away from me. God, God in essence, said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to take that away. My grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul said, okay, well, then I'm going to boast in my weaknesses so that his power can rest upon me. I am content with insults and with distresses and with persecutions and all these things for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul learned contentment through circumstances. The other way that you learn contentment is with an awareness of a revelation of the providential God that you serve. Providential providential means that he is all-powerful and that everything he does is good is for my good so god is all-powerful he can change your circumstances just like that and he has your best intentions in mind one of the ways you become content is realizing that god is all-powerful and god is good that god is good and if you believe he's all-powerful then you if you believe he has the whole world in his hands you have to also believe that he has your life in his hands and when you do, you will begin to learn contentment. Let me, let me give you something, a definition that will help you out a lot. Contentment is being at ease with where you are while you wait for what is next. Contentment is being at ease with where you are while you wait for what is next. It's okay to want to be married, but when that desire is, is what is controlling you, that's the problem. When the desire to be married controls you, it's a problem. Be content at ease with where you are while you wait for what is next. Can I have an amen out there? I'd like to do this. I'd like you to put your notebooks away. I'd like you to put your worship guides away, your Bibles away, your phones away. I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for all those who are watching online as well. Here's what I want to do quickly. With every head bowed and every eye closed, can you just be very, very still? At least half the people probably in this room are single. At least half the people watching online statistically are single. I want those who are not single to join with me in prayer. I, don't, I want you to get behind this. If you're parents of people who are single, if you're spiritual influences of people who are single, if you're friends who are married who have friendships that are single, I want you to begin praying for people, not looking at people like they're a problem to be solved. So I want to pray for every single, and those of you, you know who you are, you know the longings of your heart, you know the difficulties that you have. Father, in Jesus' name, for every single person within the sound of my voice, listening there online and listening here in this room as well, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give them a revelation that in Christ they are complete, that they would see themselves as you see them, not as the world or as others see them. Father, I pray for a supernatural impartation of that. Father, I pray that they would also see that God's first command was to enjoy life. That there's so much of life to enjoy, but if they're preoccupied with what is next, they cannot enjoy what is now. And I pray in Jesus' name that singles would enjoy the now, that it would be such a blessed time in their life. They would be fulfilled, they would be focused, they would be free. Father, for people that are in this room, and this one in particular, Lord, I pray for singles that do not know the call of God on their life, that it would be a tragedy, not that they not get married, but they not discover their purpose and calling in God. Reveal that to them, Lord. Help them to plug into this local church or a local church where they can go through the journey, next steps, and this process of figuring out why you are here. That is the greatest tragedy not to figure that out. And lastly, Lord, in the wait, Help them, Lord, to be uh, content with where they are while they wait for what is next. Lord, I pray that they would see that it's it's a lesson to be learned. Teach them through the circumstances in their life. May they interpret them correctly. Lord, show them that you are a mighty God and that you can reroute their life and that you can change their circumstances in a moment. But we have some lessons to learn and I pray that we learn them quickly. And as we do what you called us to do, Lord, I pray that you bring the trinities into men's lives. I pray that you bring the neos into women's lives, Lord. If that is your design and your desire, I pray that you do that at the appropriate time as the order is reordered In Jesus' name. Now, for every person that's here today that is not complete in Christ, you're disconnected. You're distant from God. You don't know where you stand with God. There's, in essence, a hole in your heart that that only he can fill. To be whole and complete, Jesus has to fill that hole. And so if you're here today and you've never allowed Jesus Christ to make you complete... I want you to meet him today. I want to introduce you to how to have a relationship with him. And it's simply by leading you through a prayer. And if you've never said this prayer, you've never invited Jesus into your life, I want to give you that chance to do that. And so listening online, all you have to do is you hit that little banner. It's raising your hand and saying, that's me. I want you to pray for me. If you're here and you know that you're not complete, you're not fulfilled, you're not going to find it in him or her. You're going to find it in Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me here. All over the room, don't be ashamed. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you're online, you go ahead and raise your hand. You respond. Let, let, let those people see. Let God see where your heart is. That's so good. Church, just pray this with me. And those that are online, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, today, I want to be made complete. And I thank you because of what you did, Jesus. You died so that I could be made right with you by paying for my sins, past, present, and future. I received today what you did for me so I could be in relationship with God. You reconciled me back to God so I could be in right standing with him now and forever. Father, I pray for every person who prayed that prayer. Seal it. Seal it, seal it, seal it until that day when you bring us all home. I pray that you would bring that blessed assurance to every single person that prayed that prayer. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for lives being changed. Thank you for people being made complete. Thank you for singles that are living their calling. Thank you for life change at Connect Church. We give you praise. We give you glory. Come on, church. Let's give God a great big praise. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. You're so good, God. We love you. Come on, everybody.